All right. Awesome. Want to do a podcast? I do want to do a podcast. I I apologize. I'm feeling a little a little snuffly today. Uh oh. Lauren caught something. It was so weird. She was like, "Yeah, I'm feeling a little a little weird, a little you know nasally." Mm-hmm. And then the next day, she was like, "Oh yeah, no, it, it passed." And then later that day, I started feeling exactly like how she felt. And then that night, I was like, "Yeah, did you like have the, you know X, Y, and Z symptoms?" And she goes, "Oh yeah, but they were gone in like 24 hours." And sure enough, this morning, I was like, "Oh yeah, it's completely better, but it's all like just moved to my nose. So I'm just a little sniffly uh, today." But yeah, my I am... roommate said that um, last week she came down with something and just felt like death for like three days. And so oh. I was like, oh shit, I'm going to come home from Thanksgiving and get like horribly sick. Oh. Um, but then I started feeling ill one night. And so I took a bunch of NyQuil and woke up in the morning and was fine. So nice. Hopefully that's uh, the last of it. Yeah. Bullet dodged. Hopefully fingers crossed. <laughs> oh, here, let me turn on my, uh, this is still unfinished, but I'm, I'm putting in underlighting in my desk. Maybe you can see me better. Nope. It didn't change anything. Nope, you still look just still pink-faced. Can't see anything. Oh, thanks. It's time to pop up pop up a podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to You Activated My Podcast, the weekly Yu-Gi-Oh! Recap Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jimmy. And this week, we are talking about Season 2, Episodes 21 and 22, Double Duel, Parts 1 and 2. That's a lot of ones and twos. It's, you know, coming in on the ones and twos. That's what really I'm here for. Really doubling down on the ones and the twos. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's going to be a lot of that this week, I think. Uh, Jimmy, it's gonna we... going to be twice as much. <laughs> We famously did not record last week. Uh, as, Infamously. As, as you may have heard previously on this podcast, we did not record last week. <laughs> as um, you may have heard next last week, nothing. As you will hear in next week's show, we did not record two weeks prior to that show. <laughs> um, but it was it was the American Thanksgiving holiday. So you were traveling and, and, and celebrating, I'm assuming. Happy Thanksgiving. I was. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Did you do anything? I made a chicken tray bake with Ooh. butternut squash and potatoes and drumsticks, and it was quite good. Very nice. But here, all the like Thanksgiving-y food doesn't really go on sale until Christmas, because here, like, oh, the yeah. Christmas dinner is basically Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, no, that's that's all we did, and like everybody has work and stuff, because in England, Thanksgiving is just a... Uh, just Thursday. <laughs> so, yeah. But I did I did take advantage of the week off, and I was curious to ask you this, because we, we weren't watching Yu-Gi-Oh!, but I was wondering if you were watching anything else whilst you were spending time with family and whatnot. Not during that week. I you was just cooking? too busy to... Yep. Uh, I was playing video games, though. I Ooh. finally finished... Um, Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Yes, we talked about fun. this. Yes, yeah. I'm so... Are you in the DLC now? I'm getting, like, I'm almost at the end of the DLC, yeah. 
so good, right? It is so good. And what's really surprised me is how good the DLC is. Like yes. everything that I enjoyed about like the regular Mario Rabbids game is just like condensed into the DLC. And then they add just so many things like fun little mechanics. I really enjoy Donkey Kong being able to run around and like pick people up and just chuck them. Yep. 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 Yeah. It's, everything. It's so fun. And the DLC was only what? Like another $10, right? And it was remember. not I an expensive all, DLC. All in a bundle. It was on right, sale yeah. for some crazy amount in the middle of the summer. And it, it's it's so it's so sorry. Lauren is texting me because she wants to play a podcast upstairs and not listen to our podcast for some reason. <laughs> I'm going to text her I'm back. She, she said, "She said, can I play podcast while showering? Tell me if it's too loud." And I'm going to text back. I'm going to say only if it's our podcast. That way, it'll fit into the theme of these episodes because right. we'll be recording a podcast and have our own podcast in the background, so we'll get the two of us twice over. Right, exactly. Um, but yeah, no Mar- Mario plus Rabbids uh, uh, Kingdom Battle is a phenomenal game that everyone shat on when it first came out because, like, listen Why to the I... title; it's yeah. bad. <laughs> the, but it could have uh, been named something better. It could have been named something better. But it's a phenomenal game. It is a fun-ass game if you like strategy games, but you don't want to, like... Or if you don't have the time to, like, get really in-depth to some, like, real-time strategy game or anything like that, uh, Mario Rabbids is just a great little way to pass the time. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And surprisingly funny. I wasn't expecting so many, like, humorous asides to, like... And, like, references to the rest of the Mario series. Well, and they... They do this thing, too, in the writing where, like, none of the characters really talk, right? Like, there's one yeah. there's one character that talks. Yeah, the but other characters, like Mario, don't really have dialogue. Oh-ho! Besides, they're like, let's go. Or, like, when Luigi gets ready to, like, snipe three people at once, he's like, time to play. Right. But besides that, it's all, like, very harpo marks kind of like mime humor right yeah, it's like kind it's, of like it's, a dry humor and then like it's very mr the Bean. rest of the sh- the rest of the game is all like sight gags yes yes absolutely and it's it's god i know it's a we're in an audio medium here but it's a lot of like in the in the Donkey Kong DLC especially, it's a lot of weird banana gags, like using bananas as various objects. And the only way that it's funny is if you're just watching these derpy little rabbits, uh, like play around on giant bananas, and you're like, oh, ha ha, hey hey, look at, huh, hey look at those, look at those guys. Yeah, it's some very like early film sort of sight gags that yeah. works well in this medium because then you can just walk right by and get back to the game itself are you it's going like a to little, this little stinger at you are you gonna try and 100 percent it i don't know about that i got uh, to like 98 percent between the main game and the dlc and there were some things bad. that i just could not find uh-huh yeah without having to like pull up a walkthrough for some of these things it's like i don't really care about it that much yeah yeah that's fair that's fair but i'm glad i'm glad you're finishing the game it's really really yeah. high on my list for Especially as Christmas is coming up, anyone who is looking to get games uh, for their loved ones or is maybe trying to you know, give recommendations to people, like, 
It's phenomenal. Yeah, and they'll probably put it on sale again pretty soon because yep. Ubisoft loves putting their games on sale. They really do. They really do. And sale in this case being like, ooh, look, $2 off Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Great. <laughs> cool. It's still how much? $80? All right. Okay. Oh, 78. Pardon me. Cool. Uh, I played Pokemon. Of course. Of course. Naturally. I beat uh, the main campaign, but I'm, I'm told there's end game stuff. And I've been doing some shiny hunting, trying to catch shinies for uh, uh, Lauren's little siblings are, are getting the games for, for Christmas. So I'm going to catch them a shiny to, to help what them along. What a fun along. little surprise. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I mean, they're, like, what? They're, like, 7 and 13, right? So they've played, like, the Let's Go games, but not, like, a mainline Pokemon game. Pokemon game. So I think it'd be fun if I gave them just, like, a, oh, here's a high-level, you know. Uh, Extremely like rare a, little thing, yeah. Yeah, like, I caught a, a, a shiny wishy-washy, right? Which isn't, like, a phenomenal Pokemon, but it's fun to be like, all right, yeah. here's a level 60, just go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, child, here, have God. <laughs> You just give I was them really Arceus or something. There's without giving away too much, so you know that like Arceus isn't in this game, right? Yeah. There is a different Pokemon god. There are new gods here in the old world. Basically, yeah, like like the region of Galar bows to the old gods is, is basically <laughs> the story of this game, and it's kind of bananas. But I, I want to talk about, just super quick, too, the animes I've been watching, because I want to reach out to the people who listen to the show and be like, explain what I've been watching and try to see if anyone has any more recommendations. For whatever weird reason, I got into a zone where I was like, I want to watch anime dudes punch each other, but I don't want to watch... Um... One Punch Man? Well, I, I watched One Punch Man. I got through everything that they and had on like, Netflix. you're like, this is not enough punching. There needs to be more than one punch. Uh, I don't want to watch Dragon Ball, is what I was thinking of. Ah. Boy, wow. I don't know why I couldn't come up with that name, see? Uh, so I, I started watching um, Baki on Netflix, uh, and I got about, I think I'm maybe nine episodes in, and that's pretty good. And then I watched one episode of this new Netflix original show called Levius, which is like... I'm trying to I'm trying to think of like a movie equivalent. It's about a like steampunk London setting. Oh shit, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you might actually like it. So the and the the art style is all but identical to uh Fire Emblem Three Houses, like the cutscenes mm. in that. But it's like this this steampunk um like post World War 1 um europe where the boxing matches there's like underground fight clubs or maybe they're not even underground i I, i'm only one episode in but there's like boxing matches between people who have steam-powered prosthetic arms oh hell yeah and so levius the main character only has one prosthetic arm so he's like he's like fighting at his at a disadvantage right but Uh it's it's been hinted at like in the first episode that he's got some like dark past and he has a reason for fighting and all these things and and uh that looked interesting i i'm like so so on the art style kind of the same for baki i was really hoping that baki would be more interesting than it is the first episode starts off with like 
here's this kid who I guess there's a there's a movie that maybe I should have watched before. Um, but here's this kid who's like an underground fighting tournament champion. Um, and he's like, like everybody is sort of subconsciously scared of him. Mm-hmm. And I guess he has this superpower where instead of fighting somebody, he can telepathically communicate to them how he's going to beat them. So people just get like okay. flashes of getting like body slammed and like shoved into the pavement and then they don't fight him. I don't know exactly how that works. So he but, just like psychs them out so he doesn't have to actually fight them. Yeah, but he's also like actually ripped, right? Like he's actually super strong. There's, it, they do sort of a one punch man thing where they try testing his like athletics, athletic ability or whatever because he's just mm-hmm. like in school. He's like a high schooler. Uh, and he fails most of it because, like, he jumps over the whole long jump course, so they can't measure how far he long jumped because he didn't land on anything for them to measure. He just, like, jumped past it, that sort of shit. But it starts with these, like, I forget if it's five or six, but these, like, wanted hardened criminals, these, like, super-powered serial killers who are held in the most, like, maximum security prisons like real magneto shit Uh and uh simultaneously they all escape from their prisons claim that they want to taste defeat and all head to tokyo which is where baki is simultaneously and to explain this the guy who runs the underground fight club like meets with baki and explains that like after world war two, there was this weird thing that happened with nitroglycerin where one like vial of nitroglycerin had a strange reaction where it exploded. And then around the world, all the nitroglycerin started like reacting to that. And it was like this weird synchronicity. And I thought it was going someplace where it was like, Oh, he's got nitroglycerin in his blood. Like that's what makes him super strong or something. That's what, that's where these guys got their superpowers. I, I didn't you know punch someone. Your whole arm just explodes. That literally happens in the show is the thing. Like, Ugh. like people people do punch each other that hard, but not because of nitroglycerin, just because they're, like, jacked dudes. Um, and, that, and that was the disappointing part for me is, like, oh, there's nothing, like, notably supernatural happening here. There's not, like, a superpower thing. These are just ripped dudes who want to lay into each other. And it's, like, fine... But I kind of wanted like a smith, like a step up from that. A little after more that setup, than just you know? like guys punching each other. So I think I've only got a few more episodes of Baki to go. I don't think it's a very long season. Um, and then I'm going to give Levius a chance. But if people like have non Dragon Ball fighting anime recommendations, I kind of want to hear them just because I want to see more of this genre that I've weirdly had a hankering for. <laughs> Specifically, like underground fighting rings where guys punch each other. Yeah, like, I want to watch the Fight Club anime, I think is what I want. Right? Okay. Like, I and I don't, I don't know if I can fully articulate why. The other thing that I, that I want to try watching is Initial D, because I really want to watch racing anime, but I don't know where to oh, find yeah. it. I don't know where to yeah, find I, it yet. I just need to sign up for Crunchyroll, I think. Probably. Anyway, this is a show about Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, not about punching. Uh, we watched two episodes this week, uh, which means that we should probably dive into it. Uh, shall we? Yeah. Uh, we are doing a new way of taking notes. So let's try it out. All right. Uh, all right. It's time to discuss these episodes. Plural. 
Uh, let's start with uh, episode 21 of season two, Double Duel, colon, part one. Uh, Jimmy, real quick, I love the translated title here. The translated title for this episode is The Mask's Curse, The High Altitude... Wow. High Altitude Duel. That's a... That's an interesting couple of words right there. Altitude, altitude duel. <laughs> it's time to altitude. I mean, that's kind of where I want to go with it. The high altitude duel. Uh, the summary here is Merrick captures Joey, Taya, and Mokuba, forcing Yami, Yugi, and Kaiba into a tag team duel with Loomis and Umbra, a pair of rare hunters with fantastic teamwork abilities, which, unfortunately, Yami, Yugi, and Kaiba seem to lack. Yes, wah, they wah. sure do. They sure do. Uh, this episode opens with, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly where they are, but it's, it's Joey hot off the heels of, uh, last week's win, right? Against, uh, against, uh, I wanted to say Mokuba. Mako. (laughs) He kicked Mokuba's ass. Kicked Mokuba's fucking ass. Um, and, and so they're all celebrating together and it's, it's Taya and Tristan. Somewhere. Yeah, I guess. It's Taya and Tristan and uh, Mokuba and Joey. And Joey calls uh, his little little sister, Serenity, who's in the hospital still. And so he calls, and he he says something along the lines of, like, I I bet you'll never guess uh, what your older brother is up to. And Serenity immediately goes, "Uh, you made it to the finals of the Battle City Tournament? And he goes, wait, how'd you guess? (laughs) <laughs> and serenity is is so kind here so generous she goes i just believed in you as she slowly hides the laptop where a website details literally everything that happens in this tournament up to the minute stats uh the the you pointed out in your notes here uh the uh the subtitles are still very much on point yeah all of joey's dialogue is I, there's a name for this i forget what it is but all of Joey's dialogue is written in his accent. So it's like, Danks, Serenity. And in the subtitle, it says Danks, D-A-N-K-S. I'm going to look and up all his dialogue is like that. We, we've brought this up before, but I'm trying to remember what the word for that is. Yeah, it's writing in a specific vernacular. It's like in Redwall when all the different animals have their different accents. Uh, let's you know go what I'm with the uh, yeah. I mean, I want to say like just phonetic. But let's see. Okay, fantasyauthorshandbook.com. Following up on last week's post, don't write accents phonetically. I think it's just phonetically is what we're what we're I looking feel like for. Like there was an actual term for it. I guess. Yeah. Eh, anyway. Uh, so, so he's on the phone with, with Serenity and, uh, Serenity reveals that she gets to take her bandages off, uh, later that day and has decided that, uh, or rather sort of reaffirming her decision that the first thing that she wants to see is her older brother dueling in Battle City because I guess as a blood relative of Joey Wheeler, you can't set your expectations too high. (laughs) That's the first thing she wants to see is her brother playing cards. I mean, I, I'm i not going to yuck anyone's yums, you know, dream your dream. But uh, a rainbow, a sunset, waterfall, Shamu. Here Shamu's in town. <laughs> yeah, she could go to the Shamu show. 
have the first thing she sees with her new eyes be Shamu. How long has she had these bandages on? For a freaking month, it seems like. It feels it's that been way, a while. right? Cause she... Well, for us, it's been like half a year. Oh, well, I, she has the operation at the start of Duelist Kingdom. Or no, she's going to anyway at the start of Duelist yeah. Kingdom. So so end of Duelist Kingdom and now, yeah, at least a couple of months, right? Maybe a month? For sure. So if you couldn't see, if you had to have bandages on your eyes for one month, what would you want the first thing that you see to be? Probably some view up in nature somewhere. Okay. Like a pretty mountain. I, my first thought was the stars, but I feel like if you're seeing for the first time, you need to make sure that you'll, you're able to like process colors correctly. Right. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. You might need to, you might need to wait a little bit before you sort of acclimate it to that. Yeah. Some like beautiful vista, probably. Right. Not your shit brother <laughs> Not playing your a children's card game. Not your shit brother playing card games in the middle of the town square. But I don't know. But she loves Joey. So anyway, uh, help me out with the scene here because there's a thing that happens here that I'm like very frustrated by, but I don't want to jump straight to it. And I don't know if you can tell what I'm talking about. So I'm going to highlight it here in the notes. <laughs> yes. My notes here that Tyler just highlighted in all caps. Joey's had a cell phone this whole time. So, okay. So in his defense... Let's just, yeah, let's just get it over with. In his defense, it is not his cell phone. We learn no. this because he hangs up the call and he goes, yippee, and he throws it up in the air like it's a fucking graduation cap. And Taya catches it and she's like, what the fuck, you asshole, that's not yours. <laughs> Be careful with the technology or something like that. So no, it's, Taya's had a cell phone this whole time. Right. Why hasn't she been using it? Now, I have a theory on this. I think that this is the point in time where only she has a cell phone. She's the only one who's had a job this whole time. Oh, shit, you're right. That's exactly it. Because she works at the diner. Right. Dueling doesn't pay the bills. I mean, it does for Yugi, who just made, like, a million bucks or whatever. Well, no, he gave all that to Joey, and that went to Serenity's operation. Oh, that's true. So Dueling would pay the bills, except these assholes... <laughs> Dueling don't know what pays money is. one giant bill. Right. So, so Taya has had a cell phone this whole time. But, like, if everyone knew that, why couldn't people have just called Taya sooner? Yeah. They've been, like, running around the city, like, oh, I wonder where people are. Just, like, call Taya on her cell phone. Is Yugi's... Nobody used to call her on her cell phone. Is Yugi such a bad friend that he just can't remember Taya's cell phone number? It's entirely possible. He like doesn't I have mean, it written down. Do you down. know how many numbers? I remember having to remember numbers as a kid. That was such a pain in the ass. I you, you know have to I remember mean, your friend's number. Yeah, I mean maybe he's just like remembering too many attack and defense numbers to remember any phone numbers. Oh yeah, or he has, he has to put no it in that context, room. right? Like he has to he has to remember it as like okay, Taya's cell phone is um, blue eyes white dragons attack uh, Karibo's defense. Followed by, uh, I don't know, Swordsman of Landstars. Uh, it's his uh, mnemonic. Right. But yeah, she's got her uh, 
her early model Motorola Razor that J- Joey just chucks in the air. And it's fun. And it's it's pink. It's got a tassel. <coughs> uh, bless you. Uh, at this point, uh, who should arrive but Bakura and Merrick? This scene is ridiculous. I but- just want to. I just want to get it out in the open. I ship these two so much. I think the show does as well because these skinny twinks are touching each other way too much. I'm to for it to just be a bit. They deserve each other in so many ways because, like, they they show up and uh, Bakura has a bandage around his like upper arm, like in a very specific spot. Like he's just like given blood, right? Yeah. Uh, and he's sort of hunched over, and Merrick is is helping him along, and they're literally doing get help from Thor. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And they come up to the group and they're like, "Please, can you help us?" And they go, "Oh, hey, it's Bakura. We know that guy." Uh, and they they offer to help, and Merrick starts talking to them, and it, we both notice this. I think Merrick's voice is completely different here. Yeah, this is the first. It was throwing me off, and it realized this is the first time he hasn't been speaking like Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> yeah, he's talking just like a normal voice. Like, hey guys, can you can you help this guy? I just found him. I don't know who this is. Instead of going, all the power of the Pharaoh will be mine. It's it's like when Dark Helmet is revealed to be Rick Moranis. <laughs> it's that so kind of switch. Lone Star. But he, his normal voice still bothers me because he does it in such a way that's like, it's like a, a robot that like just figured out contractions and inflection <laughs> and is just desperately hoping that it's doing it right. Yeah, he sounds like he's trying to sound normal. Hello, teens. I'm a friend. Do you know this person? Can you please help? Yeah, it's they're trying to do a thing where he's like, ah, oh, I need to get this guy to the hospital. But like, he doesn't explain what happened to him. Well, and they ask... Weird. They ask Bakura, like, hey, who did this to you? And Bakura pulls the whole, it happened so fast, I can't remember. Yeah, and it's unclear what exactly that is. Did he get mugged? Is the the fiction they're going with? Or did literally, he get, like, stabbed or something? We have no clue. Literally, the only sign of injury on this dude's body is a bandage in a very specific part of his arm. That is yeah. it. There are no bruises, no cuts, no nothing. Just a, a poorly tied bandage. Uh, but everyone's like, oh, yeah, totally. He happened to be walking by Bandit Keith, who saw a blue Volkswagen Beetle and punched him really hard. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Uh, So uh, the group kind of splits up. Uh, Tristan volunteers to go pick up Serenity because, of course, so he goes off uh, to the hospital, and I guess they take Bakura to a different hospital? Grandpa, yeah. Because Grandpa takes him in a taxi. Oh, yeah. Grandpa's there, too. I'm sorry. I forgot. Uh, Grandpa, yeah. Grandpa takes him in a taxi to a hospital. It's somewhere unclear if they're in the same spot or not. Uh, And yeah, they're like, oh, hey, what's your name? Random dude that we've never met before talking to Merrick. And he introduces himself as Namu. Last week, Shamu. This week, Namu. How do you feel about Namu, Jimmy? As just 
from Merrick to Namu. It sounds fake. It sounds super fake, right? Yeah. It sounds like something Mork from Orc would say. <laughs> What's your name? Uh, Namu. That's nah, a name, right? Yeah, that's a name. Yeah, sure. Why not? Anyway, so at this point, Merrick uh, psychically communicates with his rare hunters and explains, okay, here's the plan, everybody. Uh, get those cards. Do it. Oh, I just looked up Namu, and it's like a Hawaiian name, I think. Okay. Does it mean so why something? Would he? why would his first thought be some Hawaiian name? Yeah. D- what does it mean? <laughs> uh, let me look it up. Oh, I guess it's also uh, a Japanese name. Okay. That's more likely. I think it means fruit trees. Fruit trees. All right. Uh, well... I guess if you're trying to pick an inconspicuous name, that kind of makes sense. I mean, if we're if we're talking about like the Japanese version, like yeah. uh, uh, Taya's name uh, was her name peach was Anzu, right? Yeah, uh, and that means peach. Yeah, princess so, peach. Yeah, so it could be it could be something similar. Anyway, so he he fucking telepathically communicates with the rare hunters and tells them to uh, a get the cards b get all of them c uh don't let uh, i think he says little yugi here right he says he calls him little yugi yeah he says don't let little yugi get in my way specifically little yugi right who gives a fuck about big Big yugi yeah but the only reason i i even call out this scene is one of the rare hunters replies how shall we proceed master merrick and he does it in a tone of someone who has just worked one too many Black Fridays in like a retail job and just does not care about anything anymore. Just a, how should we proceed, Master Merrick? He's uh, had a long day at the cultist store. Yeah. What color would you like that in? <laughs> I don't know if we have seafoam. I'll go check the back. <laughs> then he goes in the back and just stands there for like three minutes. Inside I, himself. I legit have done that. I think everyone that's worked in retail has. It. That, uh, well, that's a, the the common joke, isn't it? That there is no the back. You just go into the break room and stand there, so the customer thinks you're doing something. I, you know, I mean, it's different for every job, I'm sure, but I definitely did that. <laughs> <laughs> it's my screaming space. Yeah, he's like. Uh, I want to point out that he's like telepathically communicating with these guys yeah. and we only see them in silhouette with like their eyes glowing. Yes. But one of the rare hunters has like an emoji for a face. It looks yeah. like yeah, one I don't of the know. eyes is like doing a winky face. So right. it's just like a hood. And then underneath it's like someone doing the, um, the squinty like tongue out emoji emoticon. Yeah, the one that's inexplicably winking and sticking its tongue out. You know, yeah, that like, completely uh, natural human reaction. That thing that everyone does all the time. Um, we also get a shot of Yugi running around town uh, looking for his friends. 
I think oh, yeah. at one point they they actually pass by, right? Yeah, Yugi and uh, Kaiba uh, walk into frame, and like behind them across the street, we see uh, Joey and Taya and the others like helping right. Grandpa get um, Bakura into the taxi, and then Yugi steps in front and is like, "Okay, you've tracked them here. I wonder where they could be." <laughs> yeah, it's one of those funny like missed connection kind of shots. Yeah, which so. They're Again, like, he knows that Taya has a cell phone. Like, just have Kaiba look her up in the yellow pages. I don't know. Yeah, and then uh, Kaiba's like, of course they're here. My uh, my tracking system is foolproof. And Yugi's like, okay. So he, like, runs into the building they're in front of. And Yugi gets to also see Shamu. Yeah, this, this is the Shamu building. It's the and water we get a park. Really, we get a really lovely shot of Shamu doing a big old jump. <laughs> It's still just, it's hilarious to me that Shamu is canonically in Yu-Gi-Oh. It's so good. I, you know, there's no beat in it. You know, uh, famous anime character Shamu the whale. Yeah, yeah. Classic, classic character. We also get, this is finally where Yugi goes to a fucking payphone and calls Taya. Yeah, because payphones still exist. Right. And for some reason, he didn't think of this like six episodes ago. Uh, I'm trying to, do they talk about anything important? No, they're just like, where are you? Be safe. Okay, bye. And then, um, like while she's on the phone with him, um, oh, Merrick, yes. Merrick is talking to Taya and then suddenly cultists close in from all angles and then Merrick is just like, oh no, watch out. And then like, there is some extremely censored for kids violence where I'm pretty sure they just like cut entire chunks of this out because there is no yeah. violence whatsoever it just cuts away and there's some like yelling oh ah yeah all Biff, that kind of pow, stuff bam and then we cut back to them and like tay is in a headlock or whatever getting kidnapped yeah there's a shot of joey falling to the ground yeah and then uh yugi's like oh no taya and then um one of the cultists like call no yugi calls during the scene that's right oh okay yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and the then cultist he, then answers. The fight he's like, yeah. looking for someone. <laughs> and then he throws the phone to the ground and stomps on it. Classic. It. Yeah, because they just have no respect for property. No. Uh, so at that point, Kaiba also gets a message uh, because he's like, well, okay, fine. I'll just continue tracking Joey's uh, dual disc signal because that should be going wherever. And he gets a call back from headquarters, and it's Mokuba going, oh, no, we can't find Joey's signal. <laughs> Which, and, I, like, the shot that they do of this, too, is so Kaiba gets the call, and then it cuts to the other side, and it shows that it's Mokuba, like, on his suitcase laptop or whatever. And did you also have that brief moment of thinking, like, maybe they're going to search for everywhere they're getting a not Joey signal and then just look for the, the like, dark the spots? <laughs> yeah. The same thing, but uh, nope, they just lost him. Mokuba's going to go back to HQ and make sure they're working on finding Joey again. Except, oh no, more rare hunters. More cultists close in on Mokuba from all directions at the top of this building he's on or whatever. Yeah, he's doing like a rooftop Batman thing. Yeah. And they they surround him, and 
at one point, like, I don't know if one of them pushes him or if he just, like, falls, he, like, runs into one of them and falls over. But for a split second, I thought that they were going to throw this kid off the roof, like, Brian Stark <laughs> style. Right? Because there's a shot. There's a long shot of him being like, ah, and then he just, like, falls on the on the floor. Yeah. But, like, he has, there's a shot where he, like, drops the suitcase and it opens up and there's, like, Kaiba's entire card collection is in there and, like, his fucking satellite control system is in there. Yeah, this is the suitcase. This is like the nuclear football. Right. And maybe Kaiba shouldn't have left his entire, like, satellite control system in the hands of a six-year-old boy. I mean, at least don't have a single point of failure, right? Yeah. Make sure like, it can get locked out from like it's, a it's, remote location. It's the same complaint about I have about Star Wars Episode One. My one and only complaint about that whole fucking movie is don't put all of your computer systems in one easily explodable place. Yeah, get a, a mesh Spread network. Spread that shit out. Have a redundant system. <laughs> have a backup uh, droid control room. They have this whole trade federation going, and nobody knows how to back up a computer? That seems unlikely to me. To be fair, computers in Star Wars are the, like really old school like even though they have droids and can like simulate life yeah they don't their computers are like 80s y- yeah yeah all the all the artificial intelligence is actually a system of hundreds of floppy disks <laughs> where are those floppy disks <laughs> uh so the um the cultists tie mogaba up <laughs> it's so good it's this so is good. the most Fucking ridiculous thing. We'll get so to they what they up. do with him later. And then they're like, "All right, uh, I'm gonna go get Kaiba." Like one of them goes, "I'm gonna go get Kaiba." And fucking hardcore parkours his way out of there in like a Mirror's Edge Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I wrote a joke in my notes here. Bullshit. How- Domino City has more rooftop guards than an Assassin's Creed game. And then he just, like, starts Naruto running down the side of the building. And I was like, holy shit, I was just joking. I wasn't expecting him to do actual parkour. Yeah, and it's, like, it's not just running either. It's, like, backflips and, like, like the fucking Mario-style spins off of flagpoles. Yeah. And the entire time he's in, like, the full cultist robes getup. Right. When, I mean... Really, he could have just taken the elevator. Mokuba's not going anywhere. <laughs> or the stairs, but no, this guy knows parkour, and he's going to make sure everyone knows it. Right. Got to so, do it for the gram. So he tracks down Kaiba and challenges him to a rooftop duel because they have captured Mokuba. And he points over this tall building, and he goes, you'll duel us up there. And Kaiba's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Why would I do that? And, um, like, from behind, like a low building, like maybe a four-story building, comes a cultist helicopter. And underneath it, slung like a turkey, dangling from a string, they've got Mokuba strung up. Uh, You know those videos of, like, when biologists relocate mountain goats and shit? And it's just like (laughs) an animal, like, strung up underneath a helicopter and they're just spinning around. That's not what I was expecting you to say, but yeah, that's exactly what it is. 
They are relocating Mokuba to a safer habitat. They've tranquilized him and they're going to release him on a secluded <laughs> island somewhere where they can where he can make more Mokubas, where he'll be safe from predators. <laughs> he'll be bred in captivity. Uh, uh, but he's like he's also yelling at the same time too. He's like big brother or whatever, but he's doing it in such a I don't know, it looks so doofy that I can't take it seriously. So like ridiculous. I can't feel for him. And so well, and Kaiba's he, yelling too, but I can't fathom how either of them can hear each other over the roar of this helicopter that's like four stories off the ground over like right. the city streets. Right, that's the other like, thing. How did how is any how is any of this legal? Doesn't Domino City have like an airport? It's been bought like, out by Kaiba Superman. It's it's Kaiba happens. Town now, baby. No rules, just right. <laughs> this is what happens when you privatize everything. Yeah, <laughs> when you privatize your military and it's all one six-year-old. <laughs> one six-year-old with a bunch of cards and a laptop. Uh, I, I really would have loved, loved that scene, though, if they incorporated the helicopter noise where it's like, you know, the cultist being like, Kaiba, you will duel us at the top of that building. And Kaiba going, no, why would I do that? And then him waving in the helicopter and being like, What? What? I can't hear you. And then <laughs> like yelling back and forth at each other. You, We have your brother. What? We have your brother. You're going to duel us for him. You have my brother. I you will have... duel you for him. <laughs> you have my mother. She's dead. <laughs> We're both orphans, fool. There's just lots of hand motions, <laughs> which the helicopter misinterprets as directions, of course. <laughs> it starts to land in the plaza. <laughs> And so they're like, they, no, idiot, why are you listening to this guy? He's our hostage that so we're they extorting. Go up, they go up to the building anyway. They go up to yeah. this rooftop, right? And they're on this giant glass floor. And the duelist is, uh, the, the cultist is like, ah, I see you've joined us. When clearly they've just like watched them come up the stairs for 30 minutes. Yeah, and like get into position. Because uh, it's in the middle but, of the building. Yeah. I mean, like the exact center. This is like... The, they use a phrase, uh, light, um, tunnel? Not tunnel. What's well, it? It's shaft. Like, light shaft down the center yeah. of the building. It's, it's one of those um, things like big buildings have. It's a big atrium. Yeah. You remember that, uh, that, uh, Carl Urban Judge Dredd movie? Yeah. The one that I seem to be the only person in the world who didn't like it? Yes. I'm familiar. Uh, it's, it's essentially that building where it's a square uh but it has a a hollow middle i guess so there are like mm-hmm. awnings on each level that look inward and then at the very top of it is a giant skylight letting light in and that's where they are they're on the skylight but it's not a normal skylight it turns out no this is some more for kids censorship bullshit uh where do you even start here so so it's a skylight Yes. And they're like, all right, uh, here we are, and we're going to duel. And they, the, there are two cultists there, and they take their hoods off, and it's these uh, fucking... It's our friends. It's the same dipshits who got defeated, like, two episodes ago. Right, yeah. It's, it's the Wario and Waluigi guys. And they even have a flashback to, like, what they look like. But they're wearing masks now. They yeah, now have, they're back like, in a second form. And they're like doing a bit. They they've evolved. 
and each of them is wearing like a Phantom of the Opera style half mask, right? Yeah, one of them's like a sun mask and one of them's the moon. Are they supposed to be two halves of the same mask? I don't that think bothered so. me. No. Because one of them they has don't like look a little like they interlock. One of them has like a little hook on the chin. Yeah, that's like the moon chin comes out and forms like a little chin piece. It doesn't look good. Chin strap. But so they start masks. No, so they start not monologuing. I guess duo duo logging. They start talking at Yugi and Kaiba, and they They explain. They explain. They explain that this glass ceiling is actually a portal to the shadow realm, and on. The floor of the glass ceiling, the life point counters are hooked up to something that activates the portal so that whoever's life points get reduced to zero get a one-way ticket to Shadow Realm. Yeah, the these little things on the roof will shatter it and open a portal uh, down somewhere down the shaft. So they will fall and never reach the bottom because they'll fall through the portal into the shadow realm. Oh, did they specify that it was beneath the the glass somewhere? Because that was never clear to me. Yeah, uh, I looked it up, and this is uh, four kids censoring the fact that in the original version, you just fall until you splatter at the bottom of the building. Yeah, I, this is style. some like this is some like persona shit, right? Like. Oh, it's going to look like you kill yourself, but actually you go into the other dimension. Yeah. But you're saying originally it was just... Originally, they just go splat. (laughs) Which I kind of... Like, a part of me wants to see that version. Yeah. (laughs) Actually. And they even... They have a little shot of, like, a very dramatic sort of slow-mo of, Oh, what if the glass broke and somebody fell? Oh... But no, actually, they would just get sent to the Shadow Realm, which is still scary, as they point out, because, uh, oh, you know, if if you're in the Shadow Realm, you won't, uh, the, your brother will be the last thing that you have to worry about, because in the Shadow Realm, there are no visitors. <laughs> yeah, but the censorship here just raises so many further questions. We could talk the rest of the episode about it. Oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, see my notes here. Uh, who, namely, who built this skylight that is a boundary to the Shadow Realm? What yeah, architecture okay, yeah. firm? A, like, a, what the fuck? <laughs> B, who the fuck like, built this thing? <laughs> what architecture firm designed this building just so people can fall down a Shadow Realm portal if they happen to be standing on top of the skylight? It's the same people that made those saw blades. <laughs> it's the same people who made the, the what were they called? Uh, shadow Discs? Yeah. Soul Discs. Soul Discs. Is this like a Ghostbusters scenario where the whole building was commissioned by some like weird dueling cult? And if so, Ooh. who? Because Merrick isn't old enough, and he's the only one who's like trying to do all this shit. But he's was like this, an actual teenager. Was this gonna be Pegasus's version of like Jeff Bezos's Amazon uh, 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 testicle headquarters? Oh, the spheres. Yeah, the, the biospheres. Was this going to be Pegasus's version of that? So he like commissioned this weird cult building? The Pegaspheres. Pegasus, potentially. Or Kaiba. But Kaiba doesn't believe in the cultist bullshit, so I don't Kaiba know. Kaiba doesn't believe in magic. Do you believe in magic in a duelist's heart? And then, no. like, 
How can the rare hunters take the god cards if they defeat Yugi and Kaiba, but they fall into the shadow realm? Right. They That's the thing that I was thinking. They fall into the portal with everything they have. They would, everyone would have to do like, okay, honor system, real quick. Let's just let's just pull out our Egyptian god cards and like lay them here safely to the side of the pool, right? All right, you lost. Uh, now, uh, please, if you could just give me those before I kill you and plummet you to your eternal doom, uh, that'd yeah. be great. Kindly stand on this trap door whilst I take your belongings. <laughs> yeah, just uh, just hold just hold tight, real real quick, uh, and I'll get you to the shadow realm uh, in just a. Hop, skip, and a jump. So, also, last, last question. Yeah. The sky, underneath the skylight, we see, like, dozens of people who, like, work there in the building. Oh, and are yeah, seeing this and are all out. looking up. Why are these people not calling the police? Right. Is there another the cultist fuck? somewhere with, like, an AK-47 threatening them? I... You know, I was joking earlier, Jimmy, uh, about... Uh, uh, Battle City not having a police force anymore, but I think that that might actually be real. I think Mokuba might be the cops. <laughs> commissioner Mokuba. Yeah, is I mean, the commissioner. He, that, yeah, like that's his title. He's Battle City Commissioner. I think that means more than one kind of commissioner. <laughs> I think he's judge, jury, and executioner. I am the law. Okay, Judge Mokobo would be a really good, <laughs> gritty anime. He's like a six-year-old prodigy in the in the Judge Dread helmet. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's literally, oh, that kind of judge. I was thinking of like um, Ace Attorney Judge, which would totally oh. be a real character. Or yeah, it's some yeah, precocious, yeah. like ten-year-old, and Phoenix Wright is like, this is the deep bullshit I have to deal with again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the cultists make one one mistake. They fall into one of the classic blunders, Jimmy. First, most famous, is never get involved in a land war in Asia, but only slightly less well-known is this. Never go up against Kaiba when his brother is on the line. Oh yeah, Kaiba is mad. Kaiba's pissed. After the, the you know, 12th time that they remind Kaiba that they have his brother, he goes, okay, now now you've pissed me off. Yeah. Now I will send you into this this uh, uh, bottomless pit. And he says several times throughout the episode to Yugi that he does not give a rat's ass about Yugi's friends being kidnapped. All he cares about is Mokuba. And then right. no matter what happens to Yugi's friends, uh, he's going to duel them. Which, afterwards. fair. That's, if I can't scuba, what's this all been about? And so now uh, it's dual time. Yeah, yeah. Now, now it's dual time. They do a really great. <laughs> I I know I know exactly why this is, and it's it's only Netflix that ruins this for us. But they do another great recap of all the rules, being like, "All right, just so we're clear, it's a two on two duel. Whoever loses gets shot through this plate glass." <laughs> and everyone's like, "Yeah, uh huh, got it." And you know, it's TV. You got to recap the rules for that two fifty five p.m. crowd. Yeah, the people who are just tuning in, show's about to end, but maybe they want to watch the next one. Right. Gotta hype it up. They gotta tune in for Cubics. <laughs> uh, next so, up, okay. Kirby, right back at ya. <laughs> Sonic X is on Netflix now, by the way. Oh, is it? 
Yeah, I oh, that's that's the next one I'm gonna watch all the way through. I think. Well, tell me how that goes. That can be a bonus episode sometime. Ooh, we should. We should message Garrett. One of us should do that right this second, and see if he wants to do a recap podcast of Sonic X with us. Because that would be some fucking shit, him. man. Okay, you're gonna text him. All right. I would I would love that. Garrett, uh, for the listeners who may not know, Garrett is uh, a good friend of ours, a, a former roommate of ours, actually, um, who is maybe... No, I mean, definitely of the people that I know, he is the foremost Sonic expert. Um, he, he is one of those people that just knows everything that there is to know about Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, at one point, even, we, he and I recorded a couple of like small episodes of what was going to be a Sonic video game podcast uh, that just never went anywhere. Um, yeah, we should do that. That would be really fun. Yeah, that and uh, F-Zero. Well, yes. Well, I'm texting him. Do you want to mention what you discovered about Sonic or uh, F-Zero GP Legend? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were talking about this on Twitter uh because when we when we didn't record i was kind of asking folks like all right if you had to get your best friend to sit down and watch some like dumbass anime which is really the entire conceit of this show right what anime would it be and jimmy you pointed out the f-zero gp legend anime which we talked about before and it looks actually really good I'm, i'm excited to sit down and watch some episodes of it but i pulled up the intro and the the intro to the, the whole show, the narrator, he was explaining the whole concept of F-Zero, sounded super familiar. And the voice of Yugi is Dr. Stewart in F-Zero GP Legend, uh, whose, whose name I'm now forgetting for some reason. Uh, not Dunstan. Uh, Dan Green? Is that right? Uh, I don't right. remember. Dan Green. Hey, all right. There it is. Yeah, Dan Green. Yeah, also Dr. Stewart in F-Zero GP Legend. So if you're really craving more of that Yugi voice, go look up F-Zero GP Legend. And if yeah. you're really craving more of that Pegasus voice uh, uh, from uh, Darren Dunstan, uh, go look up uh, Foodon Fighters. Fighting Foodons. That's what it is. Fighting Foodons. Where he does the exact same voice. Yeah, F-Zero GP Legend, as they call it in the U.S., is a weird show because they take uh, F-Zero, you know, the racing game. Right. And then they pull the whole Futurama, uh, freeze a guy in stasis for like 300 years, and he wakes up in this future world, and he's like, whoa, what's going on? Huh. It's a, and, that, and that guy is Captain Falcon? No. That guy is Rick Wheeler. Great-great-grandson of Joey Wheeler, apparently. <laughs> Is wait is Captain Falcon in the show? Yes. Okay, so Captain Falcon is a future man. Yes, from the future, where everyone lives. Yes, right. Okay. No, the main character in F Zero GP Legend is a cop who gets frozen in stasis, and then so it's uh, Demolition Man. Kind of because they ha- they also freeze some like escaped criminal. Who is also so it's frozen. De- so it's Demolition Man. <laughs> it's Wait, Demolition Jimmy, Man. Wait, Jimmy, this is important. This is important. What restaurant is there? There is a diner. What is the diner? Is it Taco Bell? Because then this is literally just Demolition Man. I'm pretty sure that it's Captain Falcon's restaurant. Okay. That's... We need to fucking watch this show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
we'll put it uh, on the on the list. Okay, so we are basically at the end of of, of part one. Um, but the duel starts, and they begin dueling, and. Yugi reveals a rule to us that I feel like is important because it is not something that we have ever talked about before. In a duel, every player, or rather, no player, can attack until each duelist has drawn at least once. Did you know this? I did not know this. No is one has ever talked this about episode? this. Wow, my door got really squeaky. I don't know if you could hear that. I wonder. It's like a that horror was. movie. Hi, Laura. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so apparently, and this has only been relevant now, there's been this rule this whole time that just everyone knows and agrees on, like, you have to let everybody draw before you attack. Like in Monopoly, you have to let everyone go around the board once before you buy property. Imagine if you had to duel over each piece of property. That's how Kaiba would play it. That, I mean... I might play Monopoly if that's the case. It would still be the longest, most boring game imaginable. Oh, absolutely! Monopoly is a trash game for garbage humans. Yes. Uh, but let's get to our let, let's do the best and worst of this episode. Well, since do you want to like in our notes. talk about the duel? Because no, in the notes, like <laughs> we didn't write anything about the duel because no. we're trying to speed things up a little bit when it comes to note taking. Yeah, like, if there's stuff that stands out to me, I'll, I'll write it down. Was there anything here you wanted to talk about, like, specifically? I genuinely do not remember what happened in a duel. That's why I ask. <laughs> no, that's and that's the thing. Like, the duel just starts at this point. Um, Loomis and Umbra are the names of the two cultists. Uh, one has a moon mask. One has, like, a sun mask. Uh, they're oh, yeah, they fucking do bring out a Waluigi. bunch of, like, mask cards. Yeah, and they have a bunch of mask cards. That's that's really their whole shtick. And sorry, Pepper is doing some things. He's causing an issue. He's but a squirmy boy. Pulling on cables. All right. Um, but yeah, we'll talk more about the uh, the duel in the next one. Like that's when things really pick up. But I'm yeah. curious. Out of this episode, let's do best and worst right now. What was your your best of this episode? The best was the Bakura and Merrick evil team up. Mm, yes because the best thing that these like two like an ancient evil spirit and like a malevolent young teenage boy and the best thing they can come up with is like pretending to be injured to get please my son he's very sick (laughs) (laughs) and like doing just the work i guess it's an effective uh prank or like method because they all (laughs) They all believe that he's been, like, horribly injured, even though, like, apparently nothing has happened to him that we can tell, other than his, like, weird arm bandage. Right, right. We do revisit him in the next episode, and we'll talk about that, but, yeah, there's no visible injuries on this boy. No. But they do a good job. I don't know. I'm into it. Like I said, I ship the hell out of them. Uh, It's it's like a, uh, it's like a call me by your name, but they're both evil and there's a happy ending. Yeah. There's a big age difference. One of them's one of them's a five thousand year old spirit trapped in a boy's body, and another is a thirty year old man. <laughs> Wait, is Merrick thirty? No. How old would you say Merrick is? I would assume he's like a teenager, like the others, or at least like. 20. I've spent my whole life studying the ways of the pharaoh. <sighs> he just looks. Uh, he's just that skinny because he smokes so much. That's why his that's, voice is like that. 
That's very true. Uh, let me see. His birthday is December 23rd. Oh, his, his birthday's oh, coming up. Oh, fuck no. What the hell? Guess his age, Jimmy, according to yugioh.fandom.com slash wakia. It's not like 13 or something, is it? 16. Okay. 16 this child's supposed to be. And he talks like he's been smoking for 50 years. Yeah, if he was an actual 16-year-old, he'd be like, "Oh, hey guys, can you pl- can you please uh go out and get and get the cards for me?" <laughs> Hello, I am Eddie Izzard in the body I've always wanted. <sighs> yeah, they're they're a, a very it seems like we're going to get some good humorous villain shtick from them in the future. I hope so. I like them a lot is the thing. As a as a team uh as partners in life as well as crime, I like them a lot. Yeah, they for even just like pretending to be injured as a bit, uh they sure are they sure have their hands on each other a lot. They do. They did do. Did you notice? I did. It was uh, an unnecessary hands- amount. Hands on, like, yeah, unnecessary places. Like, yeah, sure, okay, Merrick is helping uh, uh, Bakura, like, walk. But you don't need your hand, like, cupping the breast in that way. <laughs> Cradling your, like, forearm. Yeah, he's, he's like, propping him up in one arm, which should be enough. But no, he just wants to reach around and just kind of caress. Just a light, a light touch. Yeah. It's... Honestly, like, if this is the only even remotely romantic thing that we get in the show like i'm i'm calling it a full-on romance at this point like that i i would be satisfied if this was all we got it's lovely but i'm curious that's not your best of this episode no my best i it was a toss-up but i'm gonna decide my best is actually the final shot of this episode because they do that thing where there's like that freeze frame that's painted Mm -hmm. but they do this panorama so it's it sort of pans across, right? And it's a like painted portrait of every character in the scene. And it's it's Loomis doing his uh or no, it's Umbra, sorry. I'm trying to get them straight. It's the Wario uh doing his like crazy grin in his white mask, and then it's Kaiba looking concerned and Yugi looking scared, and then Loomis with his br- his uh his black moon mask uh sort of looking menacing and they're all just kind of like not looking at each other (laughs) in this panorama and it's such a like it belongs in awkward family photos is what it is yeah they're all like looking away like they're getting their portrait taken right well it's it's um you know those like unfortunate band kid photos where it's a picture of the kid <laughs> yes. holding his his oboe or whatever. And like then one of them the... is like looking right at the camera, and one of them is just like gazing into space. Yeah, very stoic. But they're all the very stoic gazing into space. But they're all gazing into a slightly different space, right? <laughs> yeah, none of them are making eye contact. It's very good. It's very good. Uh, how about your worst? The worst is literally everything to do with the. The air shaft leading to an evil portal to another dimension. That yes. is, I want to point out, not visible. It right. is completely made Never up shown. wholesale uh, to censor the idea that these people will fall uh, 60 stories and splatter on the cold hard tile. Right. I 100% agree with you. And in fact, I'm changing my worst. This is also my worst, Jimmy. 
Originally, it was it was just the name Namu, but I've come around on that. This is horrible. <laughs> and I think, I don't know, I feel like 4Kids could have really changed the face of daytime television if they were just like, yeah, and then the glass breaks, and then just don't say anything. And let the kids fill in the blanks. Leave it up to their imaginations where it will be even more horrible. Right. Like, oh, these are the bad guys. They're doing bad things. Yes, that is their point. We've been to the Shadow Realm before. We know what its deal is. Yeah, it's got spooky clowns. That You know where we haven't been? The afterlife. <laughs> you know where we haven't been? Six feet under. <laughs> But everything that they made up about the portal shaft just is incredibly poorly thought out. It's so dumb. Yeah. It's just so dumb. Do you think Merrick chose the name Namu because he just saw Shamu? Oh! God, I hope so. Because he literally saw it in the last episode. He was, like, seeing through the cultist's eyes at the Shamu show. He did, didn't he? And maybe that's it. Maybe that was the decision-making process where he's, like, doing sort of that uh, that uh, Remo Williams shit where he's just, like, looking around the room trying to come up with a name, and he goes, nah. And he remembers the whale. Moo. Namu. I'm Namu. <laughs> yeah. A lot of thought was put into that name. Well, he's he's Egyptian, right? Maybe he's this yeah. is, like, the first time in this country, and, like, he wasn't expecting to be put on the spot over his dumb disguise. And so they were like, hey, what's your name? And he's like, uh... Let's see. Names I know from this country. Well, I can't be Yugi. Uh, right. This country. Joey. That's definitely America. <laughs> it can't be Joey because that's who I'm kidnapping. Uh, Shamu is a name. I'm Namu. Right. Uh, I, I just pulled Merrick's uh, Wikipedia page up one more time. Uh, just in case. There is a section on etymology, but it's just from Merrick, not, not Namu. Uh, interestingly... Merrick is derived from the Arabic name Malik, or Malik maybe. I can't, I don't know how to read these pronunciation things. But it means owner or holder. Uh, And likely also influenced by the distinct Arabic title Malik, spelled the same way again, probably pronounced differently, which means king. All right. Yeah. Uh, And the surname Ishtar comes from Ishtar, a Mesopotamian (laughs) goddess of fertility, love, war, and sex. Ishtar. So, you know, so Merrick Ishtar. Ishtar Merrick Ishtar literally means king of sex. <laughs> is basically what oh, we're saying man. here. That's why he dresses like that. That's why he dresses that way. <laughs> Cause nothing says king of sex like like an open button up. <laughs> A crop top hoodie. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. A pink crop top hoodie. That's a look. Vest. Uh, should we talk about the next episode? Oh, let's please do. All right. Double Duel Part Duh. The translated title is Sealed God Cards. The summary is Loomis and Umbra prevent the summoning of all high-level monsters with their Mask of Restrict card, whilst they summon the powerful Masked Beast. But even in spite of all this, Kaiba is highly reluctant to work together with Yami Yugi. Yep, sounds about uh, right. Yeah, first episode, uh, first question, rather, of this episode is... Did Loomis and Umbra spend literally all of the last arc figuring out this whole mask motif? They have an aesthetic and they're sticking to it. But it's like a new aesthetic. Like, we saw them three episodes ago and they were just two dumb shits off the street. 
right? And one of them had spiky green hair for some reason. Yeah. I feel like back then they weren't like in full cultist mode. They were just like, because they were just trying to distract Yugi at that point. Right. Yeah. They were the, they were there to stall. Yeah. I, and they didn't want to use their actual decks because they didn't want their good cards to get taken when they inevitably lost to uh, Kaiba. I feel like they, for this much synergy yeah. to be between them, they had to have been planned way in advance. They have been waiting all day to be able to put on their masks and get out their mask cards and do this whole bit. See, yeah, you're probably Dueling correct. is just elaborate theater. Yes, absolutely. And you're probably correct that, like, maybe they just had different decks with them or something, right? My theory is that they got whooped and then went into that mask shop that Jim Carrey finds in the mask. <laughs> and this is all completely unrelated to Merrick's shit. They're just doing it as their own thing. Right. They found two magical masks that happen to have mask-related dual, dual decks with them. And then they, they they were consumed with the power of the masks. <laughs> and that's how they became good duelists. Right. Man, you this can't throw separate a stick dishes. without hitting some ancient artifact that bestows dueling power. That's what I'm saying. This is separate from the Millennium Items. This is separate from everything else. There is a world of magical masks here that we are not exploring. You've met with a terrible fate, haven't you? <laughs> they turn around as just the happy mask salesman oh God. yeah sorry i was trying to place that reference there for a second yeah uh right and like are we gonna see more of these masks who knows probably, probably not because it's Yu-Gi-Oh. uh anyway but, uh, speaking of masks yeah. um, so so at this point in the duel it's important to point out that Yugi has played Beta the Magnet Warrior in defense mode. Kaiba has played uh, Battle Ox in attack mode. And they have played, ooh, a monster that we've seen before, but I'm forgetting its name. The one that looks like a Weeble. And it wobbles, but don't fall down. Mm-hmm. That, that one. guy. That guy. And uh, Yugi has caught on to the idea that their whole strategy is that Umbra has all the monsters and Loomis has all the trap and spell cards. Does that yeah. sound right? Okay. Yeah, one of them it's is It's an interesting all, strategy. Yeah, one of them is all monsters, and the other is all tricks and magic and stuff. Oops, all monsters. Uh, and it's interesting. Like, you know, if we're talking about just odds here, like, it's going to be very likely that... Umbra is going to have monsters in his hand and like be able to play monsters. And it's going to be very likely that Loomis has a trap card that he'll be able to play. Um, so if you're doing a two on two duel, it kind of makes sense. Kind of a little bit. Yeah. You'll have way more uh, like magic than you might expect. If you have like, right. one person handling one aspect and another person handling another aspect. Right. Yeah, uh, you can so... actually build some decks like that in like magic, the gathering. You can, yeah. Oh, that's interesting, actually, because we're going to talk about magic later on uh, in this episode. Well, I want to bring we'll, it up we'll... now, because as an aside, um, a friend of mine wants to build a deck that she calls None, Ma None Mana Left Beef. 
And of course, you are familiar okay. with none pizza left beef, right? Uh, naturally, yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, real quick. None pizza left beef is a Domino's thing, right? I think so. Can I talk real quick about the weird bullshit pizza toppings they have here? Just at some point. Oh, I'm we can curious. Come back to Tell them. me more. We can, we can circle back to this. No, I want to hear about weird pizza. Can, oh, Lauren is in the back ranting Lauren's about a, pizza toppings. Yeah, Lauren's in the background here. So, so pizza pizza is different in England. <laughs> That's an ominous sentence. I can hear so, the pain and struggle in your voice. God, I wish I had it with me. We got a flyer for this the other day. Domino's currently has a pizza that's a special. That's the New York hot dog pizza. Excuse me? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just the component parts of a New York hot dog, including hot dog (laughs) and pickles. Oh. And if you just go to Domino's.com, co.uk or whatever and start ordering a pizza one of the toppings that you can order is just sliced gherkins yeah it goes really well with sweet corn you know what you guys deserve a conservative government if this is a shit you pull (laughs) oh we truly do this is this is actually why brexit is happening is europe doesn't want our fucking pizza anymore (laughs) i don't know i was in oh uh, the garlic aioli is good though Oh, on the pizza. Yeah, no, never, never mind. It, you can get garlic aioli uh, as, a, as a side thing, and that's great for, like, breadsticks, but you can also get it on the pizza. I have to briefly talk about... This is Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Hi. I have to briefly talk about the Frankie and Benny's pizza, too. Oh, yeah. So Frankie and Benny's is a hilarious New York Italian-themed uh, restaurant in the UK. It started somewhere else, but anyway. New York Italian. It's very Joey Wheeler. It's a, hey, I'm in New York. Oh, yeah. I'm walking uh, here. It's if you made that accent a pizza place. Um, <laughs> That's horrible. I want to see this. In general. But so we sit down and we order the like big New York pizza or whatever. Big New York. Yeah. And I like, I'm like, oh, cool. Okay. Regular pizza. And I glance over the toppings and it's like pepperoni and, and bell peppers and, you know, the things that you would expect. And I was like, great, okay. I didn't even think too much about it. And then we got it and I was like, oh, this pizza looks a little funny, but it's fine. And I bit into it. And do you know what it was? No, I don't know where this sentence is ending. Sweet barbecue sauce. Instead of tomato sauce. What? Instead of marinara. Yeah, no marinara. Just barbecue sauce. Very, very sweet barbecue sauce. A very sugary barbecue sauce. Huh. They were just like, yeah, sweet baby Ray's. That's American. Slather it on. Because like chicken barbecue pizza is a thing. It's very good. But like warn someone first. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then put black olives and pepperoni on top. You you can't do that. No. Truly, truly surprising. But that's just like that's just like a thing here. Right. It just and nobody's nobody's fussed by it. I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. But anyway, so your friend's making a, a non-mana well, left beef The worst magic. pizza I ever had was in uh, Venice. They had American-style pizza, which was pizza <laughs> that had... I think I've told you about this before. You know what it yeah. had on top? Just, a, just a dog turd. Oh, God. <laughs> and I'm sure at some point it may have tasted good if they hadn't left it under a heat lamp for like 12 hours. Because you know how f- French fries get when they are I do. just under a heat lamp. That's so gross. Yeah. Truly horrible. 
anyway, pulling back out of our nested uh, tangents here, going one level back up higher. Um, Russian nesting tangents. <laughs> my friend wants to make a none mana left beef uh, deck where every card in the deck does not require any mana to play. Ooh, okay. So I think there's some uh, some interesting combinations that can happen there. I'm into that, yeah. Anyway, back to the anyway, duel. Back to the duel. So uh, Beta the Magnet Warrior is, is out in defense mode, but Loomis plays a card on it that I'm forgetting the name of, but it's a mask with like nails in it. Mask of Brutality. Which is fucking horrifying. Uh, and it prevents it no, no. from... Wait, sorry, I'm getting my masks confused because there's like 12 of them in this episode. Every... Just assume that every card that Umbra and Loomis play is mask something. Yeah. Mask of Brutality is the one that they have out already. And is this the one that... Um... No. Yeah, if you can't... I'm reading the rules on this thing. A monster equipped with this card increases its attack by a thousand points. Uh, oh, hey, right. So they they play that on um, Shining Abyss, which is the monster that's out yeah. currently. I have the I have the real episode summary up now, so me, we're good. Me too. No, the one they play is Mask of the Accursed on Beta the Magnet Warrior. Yes. Which means that he cannot attack. And I want to tell you, we've had some creepy cards in this uh, this show, but this one's pretty creepy. It's really bad. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I misspoke earlier. I said that Kaiba played Battle Ox, uh, but he played Vorse Raider just it's to Force. get more creepy cards out there. Uh, but yeah, the mask. Like, how would you describe Mask of the Accursed? Bad juju. Yeah. It it's is, like a vo- uh, it's a voodoo doll mask. Yeah. And then on the forehead, it has some kind of symbol. I don't know what it is. It looks like kanji, maybe. Sure. Uh, but then it has two big eyes, almost like egg yolks. And it has yep. giant nails driven right into the eyeballs. And two more in the sides of the face. Yep. And uh, seeing so this n- thing equipped to uh, pour a little Beta the Magnet Warrior is just horrifying to behold. It's bad. It's so bad to look at. It's bad for the eyes. Even worse and for now, his eyes. So, like, now... Okay, so Magnet Warrior can attack. Uh, and if it's the only monster that Yugi controls, L- Loomis or Umbra can attack Yugi directly. And during each of Yugi's standby phases, Mass of the Accursed inflicts 500 damage to him. Yeah. So it does a lot of shit in one card. And that's kind of what they're they're aiming for. Oh God! Oh, you sent me a picture of it. Oh God! Oh, you know what it is? You know what it is, Jimmy? What? Just seeing a picture of it now. Speaking of the mask, smoking. That, that's what it is. It's the mask, but he's doing voodoo on himself with giant nails. Yeah, it's it's not good. No, it's not good. Not good to look at. I'm gonna close that. Um. Okay. So. Yeah, so so we're kind of at this point where we've just kind of started the duel. It's not looking great. Yugi is going to sacrifice Magnet Warrior because clearly Magnet Warrior is not in a good spot. Uh, and he wants to summon a stronger monster. So Yugi leaps into the fucking air like he's 
about to play the final power chord in a rock song. Yeah, he leaps backwards and is like 10 feet in the air doing this move. Which, I mean, I'm squeamish enough standing on the glass roof, right? Like, I, me personally, I would not be in this situation. I cannot do this. Yeah, I feel like jumping on top of a glass roof that has already Mm -hmm. been mentioned that once this breaks, it'll send you your soul straight to hell for eternity. I wouldn't be jumping on that thing. Yeah, no, 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 Come on. No. So so he jumps and he goes, I sacrifice magnet war. And he like doesn't even get through the whole fucking sentence because Loomis goes, eh, nope, trap card. I got a trap card for that trap card right here. Hey, trap card coming in. Uh, and the trap, uh, let me see what it's called. <sighs> Maybe I should have written down some of these card names. Uh, but it, it, I don't know. Uh, oh, it's... um. Massive restrict. Yeah, this yeah. is the one that's that's noted in the uh, the episode summary. So we're mask never going to get all these restrict, masks right. You know, so many masks. Mask of restrict uh, effectively prevents them from sacrificing any monsters. And because they so, can't sacrifice monsters under the rules of Battle City, they cannot bring out any more monsters. Right. Uh, so they're they're restricted now to only playing weaker monsters, which as both Yugi and Kaiba point out at this point, is kind of shitty. Yep. And so, like, during this whole thing, uh, Yugi is like, turns to Kaiba and is like, dude, if we don't work together, Mokuba and my friends will all die. (laughs) And Kaiba, this whole time, is basically just like, I could not possibly care less. Shut up. (laughs) I am not going to be your teammate for this Yeah, Kaiba is like, Kaiba wants to do this his own way, right? Yeah. Like he he would rather face these two guys solo. Completely on his own. Which maybe he could. I don't know. He's rich. <laughs> Probably not. Uh it's revealed at this point that Loomis and Umbra are communicating so well not because they have great strategy, or rather not only because they have great strategy, but because in each of their masks is a microphone and earpiece that allows them to whisper to each other from 12 feet away. Yeah, I don't know why they can't just, like, talk to each other, but they're like, yeah, it's up to you, Loomis. And then he's like, okay, I got this. Like, through gritted teeth, like they're trying to, like, do a, um, uh, what's it called when you have a puppet? Ventriloquist Like, like ventriloquist, yeah, 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 yeah. They have to, like, not move their mouth so they don't get caught. But it's not even like it's not even anything that would give them away necessarily, right? Like Loomis says, "All right, Umbra, uh, attack them with that monster. I've got us covered." Yeah. And Loomis goes, "Oh," or Umbra goes, "Okay, cool. I'll do that now." Yeah, this is not uh, game losing uh, strategy talk here. This is, they're just this saying like, like "Oh, I'm going to do like that during thing." Bridge. And they're just be like, "Yeah, okay, do that thing. Cool. Yeah, do it." <laughs> just do it do it coward i dare you <laughs> uh so yeah so oh wow they're cheating just so original wow once again um we cut away briefly to tristan uh on his way to the hospital to visit serenity or to pick up serenity rather because she's being released from the hospital he i guess gets lost yeah he I guess there must be more than one hospital because he doesn't know if it's the right hospital. 
He's like talking out loud to himself. He canonically visited her like every day for a week. Yeah. So I don't know what his deal is. Who knows? Maybe he walked there instead of taking his motorcycle. Maybe that made it look different. Um, but yeah, he gets there. Hooray. Yeah, and this there there's nothing really going on in this scene other than I guess there's kind of a weird moment where Serenity's like, Oh, what if I take my bandages off and my eyes still don't work? And Tristan's <laughs> like, It's okay, we'll be there for you. Right. <laughs> right. He has a great line here. Where, okay, so so at first you're thinking like, okay, Sarnity, like you're worried that you're going to take your bandages off and like your brother is going to be shitty at dueling or something, right? <laughs> your first she goes, what view if... will be your brother losing at cards. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she says, well, what if I take the bandages off and like the surgery didn't take? Like what if I still can't see? And Tristan says, of course you'll be able to see. The doctor said you would. Oh well, yes, that's the that's the point there. What that's, if they're wrong? You know, and 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 the doctors are never wrong. And I don't know anything <laughs> about medicine, but if the doctor said it, yeah, it's like a just one of those fears that you get. But he like tries to comfort her in his own shitty way. I guess. And like even if you're still blind, it's okay. We'll be there. I'll be there for you, Serenity. <laughs> I'll be there whether or not you can see me. <laughs> uh yeah so so that whole that happens we cut away to i'm let's go ahead and just for simplicity's sake we'll say that this is the same hospital uh grandpa is in the room with i forgot about this scene yeah it's it's good i mean bakura is in a hospital bed hooked up to an iv yeah evidently he's so good at like pretending to be sick that he is able to fool like actual like emergency room triage specialists into like giving him a bed in an IV drip. I so I I was looking through the episode summary. Apparently in the original version there was blood on Bakura's bandage. Oh. So he, like, he was stabbed like himself. stabbed in the arm? But I think I think Merrick actually like injured Bakura. Sure, that's a villain thing to do. Yeah, yeah. It's also a high school boy thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. No, just stab me. Just stab me right there. Hey, bro, got that knife on you? Just, just it'll, it'll look so convincing, bro. I saw it on TV. There'll be a lot of blood, but I'll I'll heal up real fast. <laughs> just a, now they're just like a bunch of rednecks, like shooting fireworks at each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bakura, if you uh, if you shoot this at me, it'll look like it hit. It'll look like it hurts a whole bunch, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hoot and holler. <laughs> Looks like them evil spirit boys are at it again. <laughs> There's the show. Yes, Merrick and Bakura riding around, causing Doing trouble gay for redneck shit. Yeah, causing trouble for uh, uh, Commissioner the Mokuba, <laughs> the townsfolk. Mokuba's wearing like one of those 10 gallon hats it's like twice as tall as him yes <laughs> the dukes of battle city oh man that, that would be a good show i desperately want to see this so anyway so, so okay so bakura is hooked up to the iv grandpa's there with him grandpa says something along the lines of like oh poor bakura 
Makoro wakes up and instantly in his evil voice is thinking like, that fool, little does he know that this is all part of my master plan. Ha ha ha. Yeah, I Mine know is what, an evil laugh. I forget what grandpa's doing in this scene, but like he like fully w- Mokuba or Bakura fully wakes up and is just like turns his whole head and is just like grinning evilly at grandpa from across the room. It's like grandpa could just like see you in the mirror and you'd get caught. Right. Anyway, so we cut away from that pretty quickly too to <laughs> this like abandoned warehouse in the middle of the city where uh, the thugs took Taya and Mokuba eventually. Um, and they like shove Taya into this room that's full of boxes and two, two things happen. One, Taya walks around revealing that her legs are longer by a country mile than the entire rest of her body. Oh yeah. She's got those anime girl legs in a very unsettling way. She is a sailor moon protagonist. Yes. It's. Unlike anything else in this show, it is she, so strange. She a leggy girl. That suddenly, out of nowhere, here is this character that is all legs. <laughs> Oops, all legs. Uh, the second thing that happens is she wonders about the cultist purpose. Yeah, and she's like, what could these cultists be after? I wonder if it could be the ancient evil power we were warned about and who already attacked us several times. Could that be who they're working for? Hmm. We get a lot more <gasps> I of that I bet it's those on. cultists. Ah, oh, gasp. Anyway, uh, we go back duel. to the duel, and uh, Yugi plays... Um, I do want to point out earlier, um, yeah. they have this this one turn where, I think this is the first time we've seen a trap card that counters other trap cards. And there's several oh, cards yeah. like this. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me, let me find the names of the cards here, just so I, I don't get it wrong. Um, let's see. This is in, sorry. Okay. So, uh, Umbra draws a card on his turn. He sets a card and switches Shining Abyss into attack position. Shining Abyss attacks a Vorse Raider, but Kaiba activates his face down card that's called Ring of Destruction. And what Ring of Destruction does is it destroys the monster that it is attached to right it's like a like a exploding collar yeah uh and so it's set to destroy shining abyss it it like comes out and it sort of rings around where its neck is i guess if it could have a neck and uh it it, it is set to explode it's going to deal damage um and it deals damage apparently to both kaiba and umbra is the point yeah uh because reasons but Loomis then activates his face down card that's called Curse Transfer. This is which what I was changes the about. Yeah, so this is the, the, the trap trap. It changes the target of Ring of Destruction back to Vorse Raider and then destroys Vorse Raider. So yeah, so it's like a it's like a counter spell. Yeah. Which I don't know why more people aren't using this. Yeah, this is like the most useful card, one of the most useful cards we've seen yet on this whole show. Is this the same as Magic Arrow or Living Arrow? I don't remember. Where where um uh Yugi fucking uh tied the the spirit of entropy to the mammoth skeleton? Oh yeah. And just like aged it into becoming a zombie or whatever. Right, right, right. Whatever that weird bullshit was. 
It well, feels the, similar. Yeah. Uh, but well, again, like, why aren't more people using this? But this turn continues, because Kaiba then activates his own face-down card, Ring of Defense, right. uh, to protect his life points from Ring of Destruction. But then Umbra right. activates another face-down card, Spell Transfer, which is the <sighs> same thing as the trap card, only for magic. To negate the effect of Ring of Defense and activate Spell Transfer so it applies uh, to... So Umbra gets the effects of the protection, and Kaiba gets uh, the Ring of Destruction's effects. So this right. whole turn has been like, no you, no you, no you, no you. You activated it's... my trap card. Oh yeah, well, yeah, that trap card activated my trap card. <laughs> well, that trap card activated my other trap card. It's like playing Uno when you've got a handful of just reverse cards. Yeah, it's just them, like, bouncing the ball back and forth for, like, five minutes. So, all of that happens. Umbra is going to use Shining Abyss to attack Kaiba, but Yami Yugi uh, activates um, Multiply, which creates the infinite Karibo effect, because he played Karibo earlier. Uh, and we get uh, we get the, the wall of, of Karibo. Yep. Another Karibo in the wall. And so uh, Kaiba is spared from attack by this Karibo wall. And then he's like, how dare you save my brother's life just now by playing a card? <laughs> I was doing how so well. How dare you well. help me? I don't want your help. Like, he says stuff to that effect. Like, in yeah. those exact words throughout this whole episode. To the point where one of the major plot points that happens here is... Uh, so, the, the duel goes on. Um, and later on, it's... the. I'm trying to figure out which part of the episode we need to talk about in order, because there's a thing that happens in, in the middle here that we'll talk about next. But later on in the episode, Kaiba's words cause Yugi to literally stop and think, wait a second, is this move that I'm going to make teamwork or not? Because if it's teamwork, then it might piss off Kaiba and maybe I shouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be too nice to Kaiba and piss him off. So anyway, so before that happens... uh Taya is back in the warehouse. The door opens again, and they push in Mokuba. Uh, you pointed out in your notes, Jimmy, that Mokuba is wearing a cross necklace. Tyler, I can't believe what I'm reading in your notes here. Yes. This, this I have not talked about before. I don't even know if Lauren knows this. I legitimately used to draw Yu-Gi-Oh! fan art when I was, like, 12. Uh, specifically of Mokuba reading the Bible. Jesus, Tyler. And it was not good. It was not good. I'm not proud of it. Tyler, do you, did you have a DeviantArt that you put these on? Because that is such I, a DeviantArt thing. I don't remember if these ended up on my DeviantArt, but I did have a DeviantArt that was very similar. This was my... Um, these were my unbearably Christian years. <laughs> insufferably even i was i was that kid right like that home every kid. i i wanted like i wanted to make pokemon christian i wanted to make Yu-Gi-Oh christian that's a tall order everything. with all the ancient egyptian spirits oh yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. bible man was huge oh, right sure. like so yeah so the, i this my mom probably still has drawings somewhere in a box of Mokuba reading the Bible. Please, Tyler, find those so we can put them on the Instagram. I refuse. Okay. <laughs> you know what? That's fair. 
Uh, but Mokuba gives Taya kind of the recap of what's going on, right? He's like, well, there are these cultists here. Uh, they have threatened my brother and, and me, weirdly, uh, because they want uh, something. And Taya goes, what? What could they possibly want? And Mokuba goes, the Egyptian god cards. The what? Which Taya's apparently never heard of, even though somebody's definitely told her like three times. And so he re-explains what the Egyptian god cards are. And Taya goes, and they don't, they don't want anything else. Just the Egyptian god cards. Just the, just those. Nothing else. You're sure. And Mokuba's like, yeah. Why are you being super weird about this? And Taya looks off into space and does not explain herself. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because we're all kidnapped. Yeah. Maybe because. <laughs> maybe because Taya is the one like woman in this situation who's been kidnapped uh by a bunch of scary men i don't know i might be worried about a lot of things but in her inner monologue she's like oh it's about the millennium items yeah it's like oh they're after yugi and they're just using me to get to him okay i get it now yeah we're all good but she explicitly does not explain that to mokuba yeah (laughs) oh yeah mokuba we also got incredibly powerful magical artifacts um, Which I feel like, I feel like if if Mokuba knew that, that would make, that would like bring things into alignment for Mokuba, right? Yeah. Like things would start clicking into place and making sense for Mokuba if he just knew, like, oh, there's insanely powerful actual magic in the world. Would he be safe with that knowledge? I feel like Mokuba would tell Kaiba, who would like buy all the ancient stuff possible and like try to weaponize it. No, but Kaiba knows is the thing. Kaiba has seen the past via these magical items. He's seen mind control. Yeah, that's true. I he, guess he just he actively care. ignores it. He, he, he doesn't seen... care about that magic bullshit. Right, exactly. They, both of their souls have been torn asunder from their bodies. Yeah. He got... <laughs> He right? got his, like the first episode, he got his soul ripped out by magic. Just shaved yeah. off a little bit of clown. <laughs> right. That didn't seem to affect him at all. He had a, he had a juggleoctomy. Uh, ju- ju- juggleectomy. <laughs> Gross. Do you think uh, it took out the evil part of his soul, but it's just more evil in there? Like it's just shave off bits of Kaiba's soul and it's just clowns all the way down? <laughs> Just more and more evil clowns. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, okay, so we go back to the duel. Um, the multiply spell is up. There's infinite Karibos. Uh, Loomis plays Mask of Dispel, which uh, covers up the like art on the multiply spell card, the like virtual card that's floating there, and that stops the magic. So... There's now just one Karibo, and as long as the spell is wearing the mask, I guess, Yugi loses an additional 500 life points every turn that the mask is out. Yeah. So because of these two masks, Yugi is going to lose 1,000 life points just every turn by default and can't do shit about it. These guys have more masks than Bionicle. Am I right, folks? My original text was this these guys have more mass no, than no, a Toa I, Suva, but that is such a deep cut that no one except me is going to understand what the hell I'm talking about. 
Tyler Atoa Suva is the shrine mm-hmm. that they bring the masks to so they can then uh, use the masks from wherever they are on the island. Mazel tov. Anyway. Anyway. Um, all right. So uh, Yugi realizes that he has uh, a card in his hand uh, that I'm going to get the name of. Um, is it Card of Destruction? Uh, no. Yes. Chain Destruction. Yeah, Chain Destruction, that was it. Chain Destruction, yeah. He's yeah, got yeah. a couple Destruction cards. Uh Oh, no, it's he not Chain both. Destruction. No, he does. He, he has, has both. He has Card of Destruction, then he draws Chain Destruction. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, okay, So, he, but he's looking specifically at Card Destruction. Uh, and Card Destruction, not Card of Destruction... Card destruction. There's a typo in the wiki. Uh, card destruction makes every player discard their hand and redraw. Yep. Which would be useful. Uh, which which would be useful because he looks at the rest of his hand and he's like, I don't have shit. And presumably, like, Loomis and Umbra have a plan. But he goes, oh, wait a second. This might fuck up whatever Kaiba's doing. And I... He doesn't want to be on a team, so he's not going to tell me what he's doing. But I don't want to be a team player but i don't want to not be a team player because i'm yugi and i'm a team player i'm a good guy yeah it's my show so his whole thing is like he's trying to outwit kaiba to be a good person i guess but kaiba kind of catches on to it right because kaiba's looking at his hand and he goes wait a second i have blue eyes oh i could play blue and then he remembers no i can't sacrifice anything so i can't play blue eyes white dragon unless so he's bummed about that and he looks over at yugi and he thinks hold on what's yugi thinking about What's you over there thinking so hard about? Huh. Look at that guy with this furrowed brow. Interesting. Yeah, he has this whole, like, minute-long spiel to Yugi where he's like, Oh, man, I hope you're planning something over there, little man. It, do- it literally doesn't matter. All my cards, it doesn't even matter if they were to go into the graveyard. Yeah, he's like, I have this super good monster in my hand, but I can't play it. Ah, if only... It would be better off in the graveyard. Yeah, except even more smug than that. Yeah. Uh, Subtly hinting that Kaiba is finally up for some teamwork. Barely, just a little bit. Just a little bit. So, uh, at this point, uh, does he play card destruction? Uh, There's some more stuff. um, there, there's some other stuff. Earlier, Loomis summoned Grand Tiki Elder, who we've talked about before, but Grand Tiki Elder kills Karibo is really the only interesting thing yeah. it does. Um, so Yugi sets a card. Umbra then uh, activates Curse of the Masked Beast, which allows him to tribute Shining Abyss and Grand Tiki Elder to ritual summon the Masked Beast, which is... Can you describe the Masked Beast for me? Jinzo is disturbing, I can... but I want to give a special shout out to my boy Masked Beast here. Uh, yeah. Imagine a centaur made entirely out of faces. Yeah, yeah, uh huh, with like weird reptilian legs. Yeah. Uh, the translated uh, name I- I'm just looking up for the Masked Beast is Masked Demon Beast or Masked Hellraiser. Oh, it actually go- says Hellraiser. Yeah. And it's like, you know those illustrations of like where the chakra are in your body? Yeah. Imagine like everywhere the, a chakra, there's a, like a horrible monster face. 
Exactly. It's bad to look at. Yeah, and it doesn't have a face on its actual face. It's like a spike ball there. But literally yep. everywhere else, there's some kind of like, like even his like leg segments are like gaping mouths. And he's got some like screaming faces erupting from his torso. It's uh, it's a little disturbing. I don't like it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say I don't like it. Who would have guessed? Controversial opinion. It's spooky. Uh, it's, yeah. I don't like it. So Yugi plays card destruction. Has everyone, uh, or rather, hang on. Not yet. Whoop. Mass Beast attacks. And even though um what's his name is still out, Beta the Magnet Warrior, because that's the only monster now that Yugi has in the field, Mass Beast can attack Yugi directly. Yep. So he's just gonna get obliterated at this point. But Kaiba blocks the attack with Battle Ox. So Mass Beast destroys Battle Ox, but Yami Yugi lives. Uh, Yugi then activates the face down card, which is card destruction that makes everyone discard their hand and draw again. Yeah, this is the first time Kaiba has ever actually done anything for Yugi in this game. And it's just like defending him once and everyone acts like it's the play of the year. There's so many like shocked reactions and Yugi's like, (gasps) and like all the bad guys are like, (gasps) like you almost expect like roses to fly through like rose petals to fly through the air and like kaiba to look over at yugi and be like i always loved you yeah but it's just like for once in this like team battle they're actually working as a team just like a little bit it yeah it's fine (laughs) but that does in fact clear the way for blue eyes white dragon it does so kaiba reveals now that all of his cards are in the graveyard. He redraws, and he, luckily enough, draws Monster Reborn, plays it, and summons Blue-Eyes White Dragon directly from the graveyard without having to sacrifice anything. Surprise, motherfuckers. Blue-Eyes, here to wreck shop, fade to black. Yep. This is the coolest Blue-Eyes has ever looked. Probably because it's the first time we've ever seen him, like, actually animated instead of just, like, hovering there. Yeah, I think the closest that we got to this was when it was evil Kaiba, like clown Kaiba, um, and it was doing that like weird bubbling thing. Yeah. But it actually like flies up out of the ground and is like doing all these cool movements, and it actually looks pretty good. Um, It does. But uh, the cultists are like cowering in terror of just the one blue eyes. And then Kaiba has a great line here. This is a price you pay for disrespecting the Kaiba family. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking mafia Don over here. I'm gonna make you a duel monster that you can't refuse. Uh, and that's the end of the episode. Ba-ba-da-ba. Jimmy, what was your best part of this episode? Uh, my favorite part was the trap and magic counter cards that we finally get to see. And they should be in every deck. I don't know why this is the first we've seen of them, because they're so useful. It's so it's so often the case where like as soon as somebody does something practical, we're like, wait a second. Actual People good ideas in this card game show? In my good Christian card game show. <laughs> it's more likely than you think. <laughs> yeah, those are some like actually good strategy, and I'm amazed that we haven't seen it before. What was your best? Yeah. My best was so uh, this this week I'm rating best by like what made me 
feel sort of what sparked joy, right? What gave me that momentary brief visceral happiness. There's this one shot towards the end, right after Battleox defends Yugi, where Yugi just kind of looks over at Kaiba and he does that thing where his like anime hair swishes in the breeze and he says, thank you. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole line. And he just goes, whoosh. Thank you. And it looks exactly like it would be a shot from a 90s sitcom intro where it's like, and Yami Yugi as himself. Whoosh. <laughs> it looks directly at the camera. Right, right, right. It's like at the beginning it. of Friends. It's simple. Huh? <laughs> I, could, I could watch that shot on repeat. Is it? it it's, it's just a good shot. It's really fun. That was pretty good. How about your worst? My worst is that we're still like, we're halfway through this two, this four part episode and it's a a dual episode that has two teams and the protagonists aren't even working together to do any cool stuff there was one move at the end there and that's it it's been two episodes of kaiba just being an asshole and yep uh not even yugi can play well enough to like do any cool stuff like even in terms of dueling it's boring and it's just a real mess. Yep. It's not a good duel. No, so far. Maybe it'll a, get better. It's a real two towers. <laughs> hey, that's a good movie. Shut up. Just saying. Uh, my worst was Magna Warrior wearing How the fucking mask. How dare you disrespect the Battle of Helm's Deep in such a manner? You know what? I call him like I see him. Uh, Magna Warrior wearing that fucking mask was the worst it's a gross end of mask. story. I hated it. It's not good. Uh, what have they done to our boy (laughs) that brings us to the end of the episode and the start of our next segment it's time for Yugi or not she's been patiently waiting in the wings my beautiful partner Lauren love of my life is here Yay! she's readying herself she's bringing tea oh it's coffee oh right because I got decaf Uh you're welcome um, we have a separate pair of headphones for you and a mic because we're fancy now. Um, Lauren is here uh, to join us every week where we present uh, things that sound like Yu-Gi-Oh cards and things that are Yu-Gi-Oh cards. And Lauren has to guess which is which. Jimmy, we have a very special set of cards this week. These come to us uh, from listener Thomas, uh, who's written to us before. Uh, Thomas is at O4Mouse, O-H-F-O-U-R-M-O-U-S-E. Uh, on Twitter, um, and Thomas has provided us with a list of cards. Jimmy, you cannot help here. I forbid you from helping because you have an advantage. Oh, what's that? What What's the advantage? So, the cards that are not Yu-Gi-Oh cards are Magic cards. Uh, They're from the yeah. game Magic: The Gathering. Oh, the cards that are Yu-Gi-Oh cards are also cards from magic the gathering thomas has found uh there there is there are actually a few more i'm gonna pull up thomas's email real quick uh but thomas has found several cards oh, that cards exist that both in Yu-Gi-Oh and in magic the gathering what wow uh well done well well fucking done so uh That's let me good. see here i'm excited uh so in Thomas's email, uh, uh, they say, and and Thomas, I I, I didn't list uh, uh, pronouns on on their Twitter, um, so I'm just gonna say they them. But uh, so they say uh, for bonus content, 
check out the Yu-Gi-Oh card Convulsion of Nature, which, Jimmy, I'm going to have you pull up while Lauren looks at this list. Oh, boy. Uh, it's ridiculous, and I'd love to see someone try to play it in the anime. Thanks for the show, Thomas. So this list comes to us from Thomas. And they are there are six cards instead of five, oh, the usual no. five. So it is possible to get zero points. Oh, wow. Okay, we're changing the rules. We're changing it up a smidge. Um, I have played Magic a couple times, but I'm not as knowledgeable or regular a player as Jimmy. Okay, so you so you may have a slight advantage here, but we'll we'll see what happens. I just pulled up Convulsion so this, of Nature. Okay, we'll talk about it in, in a bit. Okay. But first, Lauren, are you ready? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, it's good enough. I'm ready. Okay, okay cool, Typical cool, cool. <laughs> so, the six cards. Card number one, Scytherix the Blight Dragon. Card number two, Premature Burial. Card number three, Riding the Dilu Horse. <laughs> Potentially Dilu Horse, I don't know. Uh, card number four, Bell of the Brawl. That's extremely good. That is very good. Might maybe one of my favorite card names ever. Card number five is Shallow Grave. Card number six, Volcanic Eruption. Well, all of these are Magic the Gathering cards. Three of them are also Yu-Gi-Oh cards. So it's for me to determine just which are the Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Correct. Okay. You know, I like where Thomas's head is at because we have dragons, premature burials, shallow grave. All this stuff is right so, up your alley. Yeah, just yeah. everything that I like. Um, man, you know, my tactic of choosing the absolute ridiculous sounding ones as real Yu-Gi-Oh cards has worked both well for me and poorly. Yeah, it's a, so, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Um, how did you say that first one again? Scytherix, the Blight Dragon. Scytherix. And that was a lot of zooming in and trying to determine what vowels there were. Okay. S-K-I-T-H-I-R-Y-X, the Blight Dragon. I was going to say maybe if you did know, I know that you don't play a ton of magic either, Tyler. So if you knew how to pronounce it, maybe it was... A oh, Yu-Gi-Oh card. No, no, no. That was staring at my phone for several minutes okay. to prepare earlier. All right. See, it's not it's not the same as determining which is real and which is fake because none of them are fake. They're all real They're cards. They're all real cards. So it's harder. I think I uh-huh. think I have to go with my with my general initial reaction okay. of the ridiculous words being real. So riding the Dilu horse Whatever the fuck that is. Sure. I mean, it's a real card either way, but yeah. I'm going to say that's a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Okay. Bell of the Brawl is too good to not be. Or is it too good to be? That's the question. Be? That is the question. How do you feel about Shallow Grave and Volcanic Eruption since those are next on the list? Mm. I don't know. I'm going to go with Scytherix. The Blight Dragon also is a <laughs> also is a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Okay, so you're saying Scytherix the Blight Dragon is a mm-hmm. Yu-Gi-Oh card. Riding the Dilu Horse is a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Mm-hmm. What does that even mean? Who knows? Gotta look up the, the fucking Dilu Horse. <laughs> D- Dilu Horse. Dilly Dilly. <laughs> this makes me want ice cream. 
each their own. Okay, you got to pick a third. I know. It's only, only a two-hour podcast. <laughs> I'm just, I'm so indecisive today. Um, I'm going to say Volcanic Eruption is also a Yu-Gi-Oh card because I can picture that happening in a Yu-Gi-Oh match. What do you call it? the game? A duel. A duel. The thing that it's time for. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I can picture that more easily in a duel okay. than I can Shallow Grave because... Well, one, shallow grave doesn't imply that you're burying someone in it. True. And also, it's easier to escape from. That is important in Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, the ability to escape from something is very important. Is it? I don't actually watch the show. Or, or inability to escape from something, I should say. In in Yu-Gi-Oh, the graves have canonically not been very shallow. So that's mm. fair in, in the anime. Mm. Mm. Well, that's those are my answers. All right. Are you ready? I don't know, I guess. I don't I don't feel like I did very well. I could just switch it completely and feel exactly the same about <laughs> okay. it. Okay. Completely <laughs> card ambivalent. Yeah, I'm I'm not confident in myself in this one. All right. We'll start at the top. Scytherix the Blight Dragon. It's not a Yu-Gi-Oh uh, card. That's just a magic card. Great start. Card number 2, Premature Burial. Is both. Uh, it's a magic card and uh, a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Premature wonderful. burial, which is a really great way to say murder. Yeah, uh, yeah, or burying alive. Right. Yeah. Also known as murder. Well, not necessarily. I guess if you're Ryan Reynolds in that one movie. I didn't. Or see it. Drummond Money Coots in a magic trick. Or that one guy from the second season of Heroes, which we won't talk about. <laughs> the unnamed season. No, that's se- season four is the worst season of Heroes. Uh, card number three, riding the Dilu horse. It's just a magic card, not a thing in Yu-Gi-Oh. So that means I've that means I failed. This if it's three and three, and I got half of them wrong already. No. I keep going, keep going. I guess not. I guess not. Bell of the Brawl, also just a magic card. Okay, got that one right. Got one. Shallow Grave. Both. Ah, damn it! See, you tricked me. I did. I did. I got gotcha. you. You tricked me in the end. Volcanic eruption, also both. Okay. So you got two. I got two. You got two points. All right. Because you correctly guessed the Bell of the Brawl was only a magic card. Uh huh. So it was too good. And volcanic eruption was both because it. Yeah, you right. can see it. You can see it. Yeah, it would work. So wait, which were the three again? <laughs> so so the three that exist in both are yeah. premature burial, shallow grave, and volcanic eruption. Wow. Well, that was that was a good um, mix of them then to throw me off because I wouldn't have said that premature burial and shallow grave were both. Like I would have, if right. I'd said that initially, I would have tried to change my mind. Right, because yeah. they're they're of a theme. Right, they're very close together. Yep. very similar. So yeah, so there we go. Those are our six cards from uh, from Thomas. Go look up O uh, Four Mouse on Twitter. Um, Thomas is uh, a really good uh, artist uh, who focuses on um, like Mokuba f- reading the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> no, although I kind of want to commission them now. Uh, but no, so so they do um, like like I I'm not in this community, so I don't know the right words for it. But I I guess fursonas would be the best way to do it. But it's oh, in like okay. a like um I'm trying to think of what the style is similar to. Cute. 
Yeah, it's like it would fit really well in like Sonic X, right? Since we were talking about that earlier. Um, and it's it's stuff that I've seen people use for like their profile pictures or if you go to like, uh, you know, conventions for furries, that sort of thing. Like it would be something that'd be useful to have, I'm sure. So nice. um, I think they're taking commissions right now. Go look them up. Good stuff. And they write a mean, confusing list of <laughs> cards. <laughs> Thank you again, Thomas, uh, for that list. That brings us now... Thank you, Lauren. Yeah. Uh, to Thank our you. next. Uh, Before we get too far, I, yeah. I did pull up riding oh, yeah. the Dilu oh, horse yeah. as well. Oh. Uh, okay. Yeah. Riding riding the Dilu horse, and then there was the other card that they told us to, to look up. of nature. Right. But t- tell us about this fucking Dilu horse. <laughs> the Dilu horse. Uh, target creature. It's a spell. Uh, target creature gets plus two, plus two, and gains horsemanship. So. <laughs> okay. You can- <laughs> you can play this card on a creature of yours and then it can ride a horse and it becomes a little stronger. What? Wait, wait. Horsemanship just lets a card ride a horse? As far as I can tell, I haven't seen horsemanship before, but I'm assuming that's what you can do is that you could then equip your your creature to any creature to a horse and have it ride the horse. Jimmy, are you telling me that you can make a magic deck that is just horses riding other horses? <laughs> Not just that. You can make a deck where, let's see, could you do this? Probably. What are what are other you horses? Can horse? You can make a bear ride a horse. Could you make a centaur ride a horse? You could make a centaur ride a horse. You could make a horse ride a car. What? <laughs> you could make a car ride a horse. No, that'd if be you give the car horsemanship. If it was its own vehicle, yeah, I suppose you could make a car but ride then, a horse. But then, <laughs> you, but then, then you'd have to but equip then you... like, another creature. So it's like a guy driving a car that's <laughs> riding a horse. You wouldn't want to do that, though, because you'd just be reducing the car to one horsepower. Hey. That's a funnier joke than literally anything we've said in the last two hours. I hope you know that. <laughs> oh, uh, I just looked up what horsemanship is. It's not equipping okay. your character to a horse, unfortunately. Oh, Aww. well, I don't want to know. Okay. I'm gonna... I want to know. Okay, what is it? It's uh, an ability that serves as an evasion, so attacking creatures with horsemanship cannot be blocked by creatures without horsemanship. Because you're just driving oh. your horse right by them. Okay. Well, that's something. So uh, I'm looking up the wiki notes. Horsemanship is functionally identical to flying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've you always know, said so. Horses. Being on a horse is kind of like flying. Yeah. Can you equip a Pegasus to a horse? <laughs> Probably. Any what? creature you can uh, equip to a vehicle, which they introduced in one of the last sets last year. So you could have a Pegas- Pegasus driving a car, and if a let's see, if a if a centaur, and you could give the car horsemanship. <laughs> Listen, if we we could talk all day about weird combos you can do in magic, but if a centaur were to ride drive a car, would it drive with the hands or would it drive with the lower hooves? <laughs> because otherwise, how is he going to sit in there? It's right, a, it's the definition of a backseat driver because you'd have to put us. <laughs> Does that mean that centaurs can only drive limos? Seat. Oh, <laughs> they just stack them up. 
Right. Uh, but what's no what's centaurs can only drive horse them. trailers. <laughs> anyway, centaurs can lot, only drive me a crazy. Lot easier for them to drive manual because then they can operate the clutch. They have more. Feet. Oh, oh, they have the extra feet. They <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, do three pedals at once. What was what was the other card that Thomas sent? I us? do want to finish riding the Dilu horse. Do four pedals at once. Ha- it has a good quote. <laughs> All men have their appointed time. That's something no horse can change. Quote from Liu Bei after being told that the Dilu horse brings its master ill fortune. Oh, fuck. Wait, the Dilu horse is a romance of the Three Kingdoms character? <laughs> Here, I'll just drop it in the chat so you can this look is, at the Dilu This is a horse. fucking Liu Bei assistant? All right, I'm back in. Sounds like a challenge. Can you ride the Dilu horse? <laughs> Take the Dilu horse challenge. <laughs> no, the the quote. Oh, you think this about... horse is gonna kill me? I can kill my own damn self in battle. Thanks. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Hang on. Yeah, let me look up. Let me look up Lou Bay real quick. What was his? What's his deal again? Riding the Dilu horse, uh, obviously. Lou Bay, really? Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Uh, Lou Bay was a warlord in the late Han Dynasty. Uh, Wait, this was an actual you... person. Mm-hmm. Well, actual might be stretching it a a bit. I th- I think a lot about a historical figure. A historical figure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Liu Bei is is uh, a prominent figure in the Romance of the Three Kingdoms, the like Eastern Han Dynasty sort of uh, history that became lore that there's a lot of like video games about oh, yeah. now, basically. Um, Based on b- Japanese b- history. So here's this giant enemy crab. Uh, chi- Chinese history. Right? Dynasty warriors type yeah. shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Well, I mean, yeah, and Japan invaded and stuff there. But anyway, so Liu Bei, uh, I'm trying to see if he did anything cool. <laughs> he rode the Dilu horse, man. Get with the program. He rode the, rode the Dilu horse, apparently. <laughs> anyway, tell me about um, uh, this other card, this Convulsion of the Elements. Convulsion of Nature. It's a Nature, spell card, you. and it looks like the biblical plagues are going on, because there's a tornado, there's a forest fire, there's all these like little vignettes, like reaction shot, shots in an anime where it shows everyone's faces. Pew, 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 pew. Uh, uh-huh. There's a volcano, there's like lightning, and like a giant rainstorm. That's Convulsion of Nature. Yep. As long as this card remains face up on the field, both players must turn their respective decks upside down and proceed with the current duel. What? Wait, so what? Why? So like face up? I think that's what it's saying. You just take your whole deck and flip it upside down and play that way. So then you'd be playing from the bottom of the deck and you're opponent can see what you're doing okay i so so thomas was like thomas was like all right i would love to see somebody play this in the anime i fucking agree because the one time you get a dude who's like yeah i totally just stacked my deck like that's how i'm doing so well and then yugi pulls out this motherfucker and it's just like he flips it two things happen right first the guy is like oh no i have to flip my deck upside down all my stacking has gone to waste i don't i can i don't remember this deck backwards and yugi flips his deck and face up on the bottom of the deck is Slifer the Sky Dragon. <laughs> and he's just like, all right, motherfucker, your turn. <laughs> that would be a pretty... Yeah, we haven't seen one where the players are aware of each other's 
next card. That would make an interesting uh, narrative. Right, because I guess it would have to stay upside down, right? So you could just see whatever the person is going to draw next. Unless it says you turn your cards upside down. So you play a card and you'd be like, this is, let's see, what, what is this? That's what you're I like, was going to ask. If your... That's like a thing <laughs> in Yu-Gi-Oh! If, if the cards are like ever reversed, if you... Like in tarot? Yeah, if you flip them up and they're upside down, is that like a reversed Yu-Gi-Oh! card? I think it should be. Like that would be... It sounds like fun. Welcome that would add a wonderful OBU. element to this game. <laughs> I Element. I, I, uh, elements, uh, uh, I, I, I love cards that do this thing that have like a physical repercussion in the game. Like there's one that's, um, you remember that card, Yu-Jo friendship that I showed you, Jimmy, Yes. where the art on the card is literally just Joey and Yugi <laughs> shaking hands. <laughs> and the whole card is offer your opponent a handshake. They have to accept or they lose. We had this game when I was growing up, and it was really fun. So it has nothing to do with Yu-Gi-Oh! or this podcast. Right, completely unrelated um, from Yu-Gi-Oh! It's actual fun. But it was called Jewels in the Attic, uh, and I actually have, back home, I have my childhood set of it. My sister kept it for me. Um, but it's called Jewels in the Attic, and it turned your house into the board game. What? So it had the... It was so cool. It had these doorknob hangers that you'd hang on different rooms of the house, and that became the different rooms of the game. And it had different things like one, like you had to put this one card on an armchair, and it became like the evil overstuffed armchair, and it would like try and eat you. And basically, you were trying to find the treasure, the jewels in the attic. And there was like these decoder cards that were circular that you'd like sit over the top of one another, and it had like a hole, and you had to like solve these little puzzles. It's the coolest this game. This sounds cool as hell. It's really fun. It was, and it turned like, it was like very physical because you had to like get up and go find stuff. Yeah. And, like, I was going to say this would make yeah. like a great party game. Yeah. Well, um, oh, we should, we should play it over when we're there over Christmas. Oh yeah. 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 Maybe Jimmy, if, if we have some overlap where we're in Portland while you're in Portland, we should uh, see if we can play this. Yeah. Let's do it. It's out of print now. Uh. Speaking of unfun things, or the opposite of fun things. Who was talking about that? Well, you were talking about the opposite of what we do, so you were talking about fun. Oh. <laughs> Going back to the thing that we do, do you, do you want to sit in for the monster bracket, Lauren? Uh, do you want me to, or do you yeah. want me to go away? No, no, it, we're just going to, it's getting late here for us, so I think we're just going to blaze through the monster bracket, and we're yeah. just going to call it an episode. We have to do two uh matchups this week jimmy because we did two episodes so uh it's time for the monster bracket yay <laughs> that was so 